In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, amen. There are no transitions today. Um, yeah, and you guys missed out on the real ones still. We should send those out as a video. Um, so, I know yesterday's talk sucked and it was really long, so my apologies. Um, it is what it is. But um, the reason for the intro is to kind of just like plug into something, right? So... Again, I want to keep emphasizing this concept of real over and over because until you treat it like it's real, it's, it's not meaningful. So yesterday I was trying to give some of the basic fundamental blocks of what an exchange of love can look, can look like, but not only in that way. Um, and to speak generally about what, what the overall narrative is and who it is that we're responding to. Today I'm going to mostly go through Bible stories. Let me actually ask, how many of you brought physical Bibles with you? How many of you own a physical Bible? Okay, good. How many of you know where it is right now? Okay. How many of you have dust on the cover? Um, <laughs> um, try and get in the habit, like, there's something intimate about having it. Even if you're going to use digital, I'd almost say, like, you don't have to. But this is so important. And it used to be, like, like I still travel. This is not my, my normal, like, main use Bible. With the Bible they gave me at church when I was in grade three. Um, that has like everything I've written in it like for my whole entire life. There's something intimate about it being where you're having an exchange with God. Um, so try when you're traveling, try whenever you're going, take your, your Bible with you. Um, because there's something to consecration. There's something to something being set aside. Um, because when it's on your phone and you're getting a million messages and doing your Insta and getting a million messages while reading the Bible, that's not intimate. Um, so just something to, to think about. But I think a lot of people struggle with Bible um, and they don't know how to use Bible very well. Um, and I think if you guys were able to get into your Bible, it could really change how you dialogue with the divine. Um, fancy words. Um, in the sense of you'll be knowing him better. And one of the things that we talked about yesterday, one of the things that you guys said when you guys raised your hands was about learning other people's experiences. Um, and so what, what scripture is giving us is this narrative of God's relationship with humanity through time, um, through the eyes and lens of various people, of various backgrounds, of various personalities, um, and what they are saying, here's how it went when I talked to dad, right? So that's why I want to go through some of this to be like, here's some data about dad, um, and I'm hoping to maybe introduce a way of approaching scripture that could affect the way that you pray, um, and then there's some things that I'm going to leave out so that I have, so that I have something to talk about tomorrow, um, so that I don't look bad. So I'm not going to redo Adam and Eve because we, we did do that. Although, like, as you mentioned yesterday, it's like, even with the temptation of Eve, think about God's reaction, for example, to what Adam and Eve did, right? Like, he wasn't like, you morons, I can't believe you believed that guy. Um, like, you should have known better. Like, I want us to pick on some of these things about how does God react. So, I'm going to go through various stories, some Old Testament and some New, um, and um, go from there. So, Genesis 4. Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain, a tiller of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. 
And Abel brought some of the first things of his flock and their fat portions, and the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is looking at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. What's happened so far? Two kids, they're born, they're just siblings, right? They're chilling, they're doing their thing, right? Is there anything in here that says, And the Lord spoke and said, Hey, yo, give me food. No, right? It, it, who said that they wanted to offer to the Lord? Abel, right? And then Cain's like, oh yeah, shucks, I'll do that too, right? So it says that Abel went and he was just like, so here's something about Abel. Abel is some personality who's saying, you know what, like we should offer to God. Regardless of where he got it from, whether Adam and Eve did it first or what it was, there was some concept of, you know, why don't we offer something? Right? So Abel went and just said, I've got all this stuff. Let me give him the best stuff because this stuff came from him. Right? And so it says God had regard. God was like, thank you. Right? Like there's, there was no like, like, let me rain gold now from, from the sky. Right? And then Cain is just like, yeah, I guess I should too. And it's like, I've got these leftover rinds. Um, how about I offer that up? Right? And so God didn't have this excitement about what Cain did. It doesn't say that he told him off. Who got angry about the situation? Cain. Right? So here's a guy who's just like, even though he has no reason to be angry, it's like God's like, I, I didn't do anything. Right? And so God, who, and who outreaches Cain? God. Right? Is that like, God's not even sitting there externally ignoring. Right? Is that, is that he sees Cain, he sees his heart, and he's like, okay, I've got this kid who's copying his brother, but then who's angry that he didn't get the attention that he thought it deserved, right? And he has all these thoughts and feelings. And so he's like, Cain, what's, what's up, bro? Um, why, why are you upset? What's going on? Right? And he's just like, if you've done well, great. Thank you. There's no problem. Right? But if you have not, he warns him. He's like, I know you. There's something going on inside of you, and it's not going to go well. Right? So what does he do? Cain said to Abel's brother, let's go out to the field. So here's a personality. He's like, okay, he's talking to God. Right? Many of us would kill for that. Right? And many of us would be like, oh, if I had what they had, I would never blah, blah, blah. Cain just hangs up on God, says to his brother, let's go out to the field. And when in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Now, here's the Lord's response. Right? The Lord could interrogate. The Lord could rip him apart. The Lord could do all sorts of things. He says, Cain... Where is Abel, your brother? Cain lies. I don't know. And he doesn't just lie. He gets sassy. Right? Am I my brother's keeper? Um, younger children. Um, <laughs> I, I'm assuming he's younger. Um, I'm not my brother's keeper. And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Right? And we're already seeing from the first chapters how much God cares about justice. Right? Where he's not saying, I'm so mad that you've done bad. Right? Like, that's not even how he worded it. I'm, I'm, using, I'm, I'm doing some of these meditations just to say, think about the nature of God when you're doing it. That all the things he could have said and didn't say. Whereas what he is saying is, your brother's blood is what's calling up. Right? Is that this was the cost of his life. Um, 
And now things are not going to be easy for you. Um, because this earth that opened up to receive your brother's blood, it's now um, going to be against you. And um, it's, you're going to have to work. There was a blessing in this, right? In other words, it's almost like if dad is giving you free money, of saying, hey, here's the money so you guys can buy dinner. And one of the siblings starts taking that money, abuses that money that God gave, right? And says, I'm buying myself, insert whatever. And God's saying, okay, then no, you're going to have to work for the money. I'm not giving you free money for that, right? So he's like, so no, now you're going to have to work. And then Cain, not the Lord, says, my punishment is greater than I can bear. He's already self-pitying, even though he just murdered his brother. Behold, you have driven me this day away from the ground. He's, he's already turning into, look what you did to me, Dad. Um, he's already an adolescent. Um, I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will slay me. Even though God did not say, I will kill you, or he would have just killed them. Right? He didn't say, I will set the world against you. Right? This drama is all Cain. Right? Um, so the Lord says, I can, I am, I'm imagining for the Lord. Obviously, I can't speak for the Lord. He's like, not so. But in, like, I can only imagine I'm being like, that's your issue? Your, your concern is just that you get killed? Khalas? Habibi, no problem. If anyone slays Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. If this is your concern, all right, here's a mark on you. Instead of one for one, anyone who kills you, that your side gets to take seven in its place. No one will touch you. Why? Because that wasn't what God was, was trying to get to. Right? It wasn't about, oh, I want you to die because you, you, you killed. Um, and Cain's not like, wow, thank you. That's really nice of you. We should hang out. Right? He's, Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod. Right? He just dips. Right? But is this the narrative that you thought? Is this what you thought about your dad? And I want you, I'm using this narrative to talk about God as, as dad right now. Right? Being like, is that his personality? Is that what you would have thought he would have responded? Is this the way that you saw it? Right? Because we're usually just like, oh, the God of the Old Testament is so mean. I'm like, he's really nice. Um, like, he could have destroyed him on the spot and said, it's not how we run things. Um, one life for another. Um, in fact, he defended Abel. He did defend Abel. But he didn't vilify Cain. Right? There's a difference there. Right? It's one thing to, to be like, okay, no, I'm, I'm standing up for what's right, and I did. But he didn't say, and let me tell you how messed up you are. Right? Which he definitely could have. Right? So, it's, again, we're trying to get into this personality. I'm going to fast forward through history. Abraham, one of the most incredible characters in the history of humanity. Okay? Um, here's a dude who's living in a time zone where people were starting to live in cities again. Not, not again. They're starting to live in cities. Um, or small towns. Right? Before that was more nomadic. Right? So they'd be going around with their camels and their donkeys and, and they're finding places to live. So if you can imagine, here's a guy who's in a circumstance where they're finally settling down. Where it's like, okay, I don't have to constantly be on the move. And then he hears a voice, which is not normal. Right? Most of us would be skeptical people who hear voices um, saying, leave everything and follow me. Now, that must mean already that there's something very compelling about this voice, um, because most people, even if they heard a voice, wouldn't just follow it, right? So there's, there's already there's something different. But we're already getting this glimpse into this character of somebody who's comfortable trusting, 
right? So this is why Abraham is going to become this model of faith, this model of trust, right? That's doing it. Now, I want to actually use the wording from here. I'm going to use different parts of, of Abraham but, and his nephew, youngest children. Um, the sacrifice of Isaac. I'm going to go in, like, in random order of his, uh, of his life. Now, it says, After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. Take your son, your only begotten son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah to offer him there as a sacrifice. Now, this is like one of the scriptures that everyone has a problem with, right? Old generations loved our generations like, what an evil God. What does the word testing mean? If any of you are linguistic-y. How many of you are engineers? So sorry. Um, what does proving mean in engineering? Or what does proving mean in mathematics? Or what does proving mean in pottery? Verify. Okay. Another word. That's a strong word. It's a good word. What else does it mean? Is proving making something true? No. What is it? It's showing what it is. Right? And so even in the original Hebrew, what, what God is saying here, just to, like, to view how beautiful this dad is, right? It's, it's God is proving Abraham. God is saying, let me show you who Abraham is. I already know who Abraham is. Right? God doesn't need to find out who Abraham is. So he's saying, let me show you who this guy is. Because... I know what his answer is going to be even when I'm asking something that sounds psycho. Because Abraham's religion was very different from other people's religion. There wasn't human sacrifice. So can you imagine when you've had this religion that never demanded human sacrifice? You have this dad who said, I promise you to give you this kid. They went through all of this stuff to get this kid in Sarah's old age, even when they had given up on that promise, right? Because they thought, oh, maybe it's going to be through Hagar. And God is like, no, I told you there's going to be one. Right? You finally get all of that, and then God comes and says, and Isaac, unlike the pictures, he's not six years old. Okay? He's, like, he's a teenager. And he's saying, take your kid and kill him. Right? He's saying, I want to show you why I love this kid so much. Right? And so Abraham, who has every reason to be like, I can't do this, just says he does it. He rose early, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him. And wait for this part. This part is mind-blowing if you actually pay attention to Scripture and you're reading it. They arrive. Now, if you can only imagine that this is a gruesome march of death, right, for Abraham. Right, that they're walking all this distance and he's knowing that he's going to lose his kid. And they get to the foot of the mountain and Abraham said to his young men, the servants, Stay here with the donkey. I and the lad will go yonder and worship. And in the Hebrew, um, it's not as okay, in English, I and the lad, we will come again to you. This is the trust of Abraham. Right? Is that to Abraham, it's like, I don't know what's going to happen up there, but we are returning. Because I know my dad. 
right? He promised that this is my son. He promised that this is inheritance. He promised this. Abraham's faith didn't just start at the yes. It didn't just start at, like, at the end, top of the mountain, right? It was even from the base of it, even in the most dark moment where they're about to make their, their, their ascent of saying, we're going to return. Now look at that word, and it came to pass that God came and put the word in prove. And it's a completely different story, right? It's God saying, can I tell you about my amazing kid? I love this kid. Let me show you. Let me show you Abraham. He's not showing off himself, right? God is showing off his own kids. He rejoices in his kids. He rejoices in his holy ones, as the psalm says. Right? So he's saying, I'm going to tell the whole world about you, and I want to record in history that that's Abraham. Right? And what's mind-blowing about it is that we talk about Abraham in this way, but was Abraham always so trusting? No. Right? Like, when, when, when God is like, okay, and the poor guy, like, I feel for Abraham, um, it's like, okay, go to Egypt. Why? It doesn't matter. You have no idea. Right? We have no clue what he did in Egypt, or you just know it sucked. Right? Is that he goes in and then Pharaoh's like, I like that woman. Right? And then Abraham is, instead of being like, well, God brought us here, he will save us. Right? The same Abraham who says yes to this is like, tell him you're my sister. We're going to die. Right? And it's just like, dude, like, you, you, you hear God. Right? Does God get angry? No. Right? He wasn't like, Abe, Abe, Abe. Bad Right? Like, I can't believe after all this stuff, I can't believe you don't trust me. Right? Instead, he was like, I won't heal Pharaoh unless you pray. Again, saying, look at this guy. Right? He's exalting his kids. Right? And look at it from the Pharaoh's perspective. Pharaoh didn't know. So God wasn't like, I, you're a horrible person. He's like, yes, this was a wrong that was about to happen. That you didn't understand. God even has this compassion on this Pharaoh, right? I'm saying, I'm saying if you're dialoguing, or I'm trying to get you to, to think about who you're dialoguing with, right? The personality of the one with whom we are speaking, right? Look more at Abraham, who's like such a G. Um, he deals with him so personally that this trust is built because this didn't start on day one. I don't think the day that Abraham was called to leave Right? He was like, yo, let me talk to you. Here's what the plan is. We're going to do blah, blah, blah. It was very minimal. But it does reach a point where God is like, so here's what I'm planning on doing with Sodom and Gomorrah. He had no reason, he had no need to tell Abraham. And look at the humility of God that he's allowing Abraham to intercede. Right? He's allowing Abraham to step in and just say, no, no, dad. Like, that doesn't befit you. Right? Like, and God wasn't like, oh, my honor, how dare you say that doesn't befit me. If you understand my nature, you would, like, there's none of that. Right? He's just saying, but dad, would you really do that? Would you really? But there's got to be some good people. Right? And, and, and God condescends. If they're there, no problem. And I was like, well, what if, well, what if, well, what if? Right? And you've got this other character who, again, younger children, Lot. Um, you've got Lot, who's this tag-along who just wants the easiness of things, right? So even when they come to a certain piece of land, Abraham, being Abraham, is like, Lot, you choose first. Of course, Lot chooses the good land, where there's water, where there's pasture, where there's whatever, whatever. 
Abraham doesn't even bother thinking about it. He's like, I know that God promised me that we're going to be okay. So no problem. You need this. But here's the beauty. It's not even just for me to be like, oh, Lot sucks. God still loved Lot. Right? Like, it wasn't like God was like this horrible kid who's so selfish, who thinks of himself first, because he's selfish, I won't deal with him. That's not what he did. He still blessed Lot. Right? And then on top of it, when Lot, and Lot's, forgive me, all in heaven, I don't mean to be irreverent. Lot's weird. Like, when, when the angels are coming, and they're like, and he knows that these people want to rape the angels, right? They don't realize that they're angels. Lot's reaction is, take my daughters, right? That's when I'm like, whoa. Um, like, and I love that that's not filtered out, right? Like, where I'm just like, you said that? Um, like, at least die trying. Um, like, or, like, clearly you're not theologically that intelligent because you're aware that they're angels, and you're not even like, angels take care of them, right? Like, you blow them up in fire, right? They're just like, oh, no. Um, like, and he's thinking in, in whatever way he thinks, Right? And what is God doing? He sent them a rescue mission of saying, get out of there. Right? You need to get out of there. I'm here to save you. I'm not here to yell at you. Right? Now, look at this reaction of Lot. Again, I'm talking about this as dialogue of saying because we can plug into these different personalities in different ways because sometimes we're Lot. Right? And sometimes we're Abraham and sometimes we're Sarah laughing. We're all these different characters at various times. Right? Lot's not like, oh, wow. Thank you, Lord, that you rescued us from this place that's about to burn. Lot looks at the angel and says, you want me to go all the way there? That's so far. Do you think we could just go over there? And God's response, okay. Right? Like, it wasn't like, Habibi, I just saved your tail. Right? When I say go, you go. Right? He still allowed humanity's overriding, right? Again, these are the kind of the traits and personalities of him. Um, do, 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 do. And take a look at Abraham, for example. Again, I'm trying to just give you these images versus Gideon, seeing these different personalities, right? Is that for Abraham, Abraham had a gift that he was able to say, okay, that's what's special about Abraham, right? I just trust you. That's a rare gift. That's why Abraham is always the standard of faith, of being like, he's able, and that's a very rare gift, to just say, dad said this? Okay, I, I trust dad. I don't have questions, right? There's nothing you trying to do. But does God demand us of that? That's what I'm saying, let's compare, let's compare to Gideon. He doesn't, right? It's not even like, when God is saying, look at how amazing Abraham is, let me prove it to you. He's not saying, because the rest of y'all are scumbags. Right? He's saying, no, here's this amazing trait that's here. Because then you've got this other guy, Gideon, who when God is speaking to him and saying, I want you to do this, Gideon says, I need proof. Right? And God wasn't angry. Because to God, it's like, okay, yes, I did ask you to do something that is not normal. Right? I am asking the scrawny little kid that has no experience in battle to lead a battalion of people against a crazy, ridiculously well-developed army. Right? And Gideon's not even respected right? as a member of the community. He's not, not disrespected, but he's not a big deal. Right? So when it's like, yeah, I'm asking you that Gideon is able to say, I need a sign. If you're asking me to do this, I'm not able to just say, okay. 
that's not me. And God said, okay, what would you like? I want you to do this magic trick where you're going to take this fleece and I want you to put water everywhere except on it. Right? And God is even condescending to be like, okay. Right? Like, even though he's not a clown, like God is not doing magic tricks and juggling for us. Right? He's like, sure. And he says, like, okay, that was cool. Do it again, but like inverse. Like, put it on the fleece and not on the grass. Right? And God's like, okay. The third time, okay. The fourth time, like, chalas. Right? And he didn't yell, he's like, enough, give me. <laughs> this game is, is getting old. Right? What I mean is, here God was more than okay to oblige the request. He wasn't demanding of him to have the faith of Abraham. Right? And I'm saying this for in your dialogue because even and when we talk about prayer, but that's the last one, so that I have some content again, um, is that I can plug into these characters too of being like, I might not be at where Abraham is at. Right? Another character of Old Testament, Moses. Moses is an, another, I think, unsung hero today. But think about Moses' background. Moses is born to an oppressed people, right? He's shipped, literally, in a basket um, down the, up the Nile, right? Lands at Pharaoh's house, has, probably has some kind of identity crisis because he's raised in an Egyptian, ethnically isn't, right? So he's not growing up with any proper religious education. So this is not like somebody who grew up praying in Bayer, right, in whatever Jewish equivalent existed at the time, right? He was not at liturgy. He was not any of those. He's just Moses, right, who's living in the palace, who's starting to deal with his own personal cultural pro- problems of being like, hey, I belong to these people who are oppressed, but I'm also a member of this people, the Egyptians. I'm not really sure what to do. Sees people beating up his theoretical fellow Jew, right, but that he's not really in full solidarity with because he doesn't live like them, right, murders them, and his own people are not like, oh, wow, thank you. They're like, are you going to kill us too? So his own people hate him, and now he knows he's going to lose his life because how dare a Jew kill Egyptians, right? So now he has to flee for his life. Goes, sets up camp with Jethro, right, um, chilling out as a shepherder, right, and being like, whatever, I'm done with that life, right, doing his business, and suddenly there's a burning bush that we sing about every Saturday this month, um, and you would think, like, oh my goodness, here's a, like a crazy revelation that I never thought I would have, and God is speaking to me, and God himself that we have heard about is actually talking and saying, Moses, here's what I want you to do. And imagine if you're standing in front of the Lord of the universe and says, I have chosen you by name specifically for this task. And your response is, I, um, I suck at public speaking. That's Moses' response to God. Right? Like, that's so messed up. Right? Like, like it's like, do you think God doesn't know stuff? Right? You're seeing all these miracles and your reaction is, I'm, 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 no, I'm not, I'm not good at that. And, you know, people won't like me. And um, my, my brother, though, he's, he's pretty cool. Um, and, like, that's, that's the back and forth. And God's not like, fine, I'll go find someone else. Right? He's even encouraging him. Right? I will be there. I will help you. I will do this. I will do that. 
I have heard the people, my peoples cry, right? Where it's like, okay, here's this other side of God that he's not getting angry, he's not yelling at him, but also we're getting a glimpse into his mind of saying, I have been watching, right? So, okay, so, okay, so God, we might in some problems not be aware that God is attentive, right? Or saying, I'm waiting for the right time and the right person at which I will, I will strike with my own arm, right? And I've chosen it and it's right now and it is not who anybody expected right? And they're like, oh man, this was in play way earlier because Moses survived when no one else pretty much survived, right? So this wasn't a spontaneous thing. This was already there, right? So when you're starting to get a glimpse into, okay, wait, God isn't thinking the way that we're thinking, right? This is not necessarily how God viewed the same situation. And so he says, okay, just go out and do, right? And then Moses is like allowed to be himself. And like Moses wasn't in trouble for being himself. Moses was just being himself. Right? Like, but I can't. I'm nervous. I'm anxious. I can't. Oh, by the way, who are you? Right? Because Moses has that sudden moment of being like, um, who do I tell them you are again? Right? And then God's reply, even in his answer, which is part of liturgy to this, this day, is the, the famous ego imi. Right? I, I am the, like, it's, it's almost impossible to, to translate properly. Because he's saying, I am the am-ing. Um, I am the one who is always in the state of is, I is, ising. Um, like, like, there's nothing else to tell you because I don't want you to be attached to all these things that you humans do. Right? You're going you're gonna to want an, an image, an, uh, an animal. You're going to change. You're going to change who I am. I am simply who I am. Right? I am that who is. The be-ing. That's what we mean in liturgy when we saying, God, the, the, the being, we don't mean the creature. We mean the one who is ing all the time, right? But of like, even how God chose to identify himself to humanity as, of saying, let me express to you, let me tell, show you who I am in this way, right? This is what he did. And then Hannah picks him for the job, and then Moses is not a strong personality in general. Like, he's a... Let me rephrase. He's a very strong personality. I mean in terms of his, his dignity and honor, right? So when later on his own siblings turn on the guy, it's not Moses who fights for his honor, right? Again, like that's a glimpse of how dad deals with his kids, especially with the kids who trust him, right? Where no matter how Moses came, whether it was dragging his feet, whether he argued, Moses did it. And for God, that was more than enough. So when his own sister and brother rebel, God comes in with a vengeance. Miriam gets leprosy. Like there's a, there's a whole shebang of God saying, no, 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 no. Moses, irkininta, you park. I'm going to speak. What's your problem, Miriam? Right? What's your problem, Aaron? And all these people that are following them, what's going on with you? We're having a family meeting. Right? And then fixes it. These are, again, these moments of finding out more about um, God. David. We talked a little bit, so I won't retell the story of David yesterday, but the same David who, David was a nobody, right? That's like Psalm 151, I am the youngest child in my, my, among my brethren. Um, he's, he was scrawny, he wasn't eventually, he was pretty jacked actually. Um, but this David who was a nobody tending sheep, right? Look at the ethics of this guy in a world that didn't have those ethics. Right? Here's a guy who the, the king himself is angry that David exists because people like him. 
right? So he's plotting for his death, right? And they would sing their songs, Saul killed his hundreds, David killed his thousands, Saul killed his, his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. Um, and David's not like, yeah, that's me. Um, David is still serving the king, right? When the king is trying to have him killed, more than once, Dave, David's living as a refugee, right? He's a fugitive, right? More than once had the opportunity to kill and didn't. And in fact, even in battles, there's a famous like, epic scene where David was, was such a G that his, his men adored him, right? So David was thirsty. So two of his men go on some kamikaze mission, right, to get water for David, right? So they go and slay their way to a stream to get David water, and they bring it back to David. And David's response is like, ah, oh, thank you. He was like, how can I drink this water at the expense of the blood of my fellow men, right? He's clean, right? Why am I saying this? Says, okay, David's core was so clean. So when David messes up with Bathsheba, God's response was not, I'm throwing out everything good you did and every way that you've ever been and the amount of integrity that you typically have. Game over, you messed up today. God's like, no, this is my son and he's a man after my own heart. My son messed up today. That's all it is, right? And look at even the gentleness of God. Who does he send him? Sends him the prophet, right? To come in and be like, Dave, have a story. Some guy did this, 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 and this, and this, and this. What do you think? And David's like, I ought to kill him, right? And then he's like, well, um, it's you, right? And David, he's so clean, right? He doesn't respond with being like, yeah, but that was different, right? There's no self-defense. There was no any of that. David's like, yeah, I do deserve that, right? There was, there was no hesitation about it. Right, like that, that's true, right? And that's why God, it's, it's mind-blowing to what he did. He didn't say, well, I'm gonna kill everyone, right? He's like, no, you can't have the fruit of this sin. That's not right, right? It isn't, it isn't okay, right? Like if you like stole this money, no, you don't get to build your house off of it. That's not okay. But who did David's line of reigning come through? Bathsheba, the same one. Right? He, he, he even condescended to let him have that. Right? That's what I'm saying is this is not the dad that we always talk about. This thing, learn about his personality. This is who we're talking to, not about, to, right? When we, when we pray. Um, God is with him in every um, uh, trouble. I'm going to switch to New Testament. It's been half an hour. I'm keeping an eye on the clock. Um, but, um, or 40 minutes, sorry. Um, just for some other scenarios for understanding his personality a little bit more. The Samaritan woman, and we talk about her a lot, St. Fotini. Sorry. I know I talk too much, so I will try and be done within 15 max. Um, St. Fotini, right? The Samaritan woman. You all know the story, but think about, okay, we already know she's coming out the well in the middle of the day because it's hot, because she has shame, right? 
when God meets with her, and God went with her specially, right? Because he says, I must, I was like, pay attention when you're reading this, I must, I have needs that I must go through Samaria. Geographically, he did not have to, right? Which is indicating, no, I, my must is for another reason, right? It's actually, I must meet her, right? So here's this rescue mission. Now, when he meets her, and she's, she's very sassy, um, when she's like, oh, what is this? A Jew being meeting a Samaritan and not just any Samaritan, a, a woman and not just any woman, a Samaritan, and want my water cup because there's rules that the Jews, even it was to the nitty gritty of the rules, don't even touch their watering cups. Um, so like, that's why she was like, including this, right? That you're doing all of this. And God could have been like, lady, we both know why you're here, right? You're here because your life sucks, right? Because you're the one who should be ashamed. He doesn't react to that at all. Right? And then when, when he's like, you know what? When he wants to do his work with her, go get your husband. Right? Very gentle. She's like, I don't have one. And he pounces on it in such a good way. Right? He's like, aha, see? Because you, lady, have had five husbands and, 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 and. He's like, well said. Right? That was honest. Right? Is she comfortable? It does not seem so because she immediately changes the subject. Right? She is just like, it sounds like you're a prophet. Speaking of prophets, um, your scripture says we've left the sin thing right at the door. It's gone, right? It's not like, yeah, right? It's done, right? And God's like, no, 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 no. One second, lady. We were talking about this whole living in sin thing. He, he deals with her where she's at, right? And she's asking a theological question. And the question that she was asking is the equivalent today of being like, do you live in a two-state solution? Or what do you think of the IDF and Hamas? That's what she's asking. Right? That's explosive. Right? Where she's like, oh Lord, here we go. Literally. Um, and Christ takes her seriously. Right? And he says, you know what? There's a time coming where it's going to be neither here nor there. So it sounds like he's leaving the question. And he comes back and eventually just says... But the answer is, is the Jews, right? He does eventually come back and be like, but salvation is of the Jews. And he doesn't hide from it. But because of who he is, the way he speaks, the love with which he carries himself, the integrity that he gives to his own kids, she's completely okay with the answer, right? She's not like, oh, okay, whatever, see you later. Her reaction is, I got to tell everybody about this guy, right? That's, that's her immediate reaction. Um, I'll only do one or two more stories at this time for some questions because I know you guys are bored out of your mind, so I'm sorry. Um, I'll do Nicodemus and then Peter. Nicodemus. Because Nicodemus is somebody who is dealing with doubt. But he was classy. Right? Because all the Pharisees were dealing with doubt and Nicodemus was a Pharisee. Right? But Nicodemus didn't be, he wasn't pretentious about it. Right? Because we all know how God dealt with Pharisees. Whereas with this Pharisee, Nicodemus is coming in secret. God's not like, oh, you have to do it in secret? You're not man enough to own it in the daylight? Like, none of that, right? It's just like, okay, no problem. I'll take you where you're at. You're anxious. You're, you, don't wanna, you don't want your colleagues to find out that you're struggling with this. What are your questions? And he entertains every single question that he has. And nowhere in the Gospel of John does it tell us that he actually converted. We know from tradition that he eventually did. What I mean is that even within the Gospel... It doesn't even say like, and then he left and he was like, yeah, right? It was, 
no, I've got more questions. I'll be back. Right? He lets him go through this whole journey, right, of just saying, no problem. You come, you don't come. I, 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 I will still deal with you um, as you are. I'm saying that because maybe sometimes we're in that phase of like, but I don't know. These, I have these questions about you because there's these aspects of you that don't make sense to me. Right? That God was not mad that somebody says that to his face. Or just saying, okay, no problem. What is it that you don't get? Why? So it turns out Nicodemus has theological misunderstandings. He didn't know he had theological misunderstandings because he thought he was right. And God didn't be like, well, because you're an idiot. Right? It was just like, yeah, it doesn't mean what you think it means. Right? You thought it means this, but actually that's not what it means. What it actually means is this. And he left Nicodemus the freedom to come and go and wrestle with that. Right? Eventually, yes, Nicodemus comes to say, you're, you are who you say you are. Um, but he gets there. The last one that I'll, that, I'll, that I'll do and open up to questions, because I'm sorry if you guys are dying. Because um, this scene always gets to me, even though I'm not his biggest fan, St. Peter. Um, Peter is like from here to his tongue, like instant all the time. Um, but you, we know the scene where Peter's like, oh Lord, I would never forsake you, and blah, blah, blah. And the Lord is like, Peter, like, you're gonna, you're gonna deny me in no time. And then he does. But here I want you to look at the scene in a, in a different way. Is that Peter's, in one of the Gospels, it tells us that when Peter denied, it says, and the Lord looked at him, right? And, and you see that in the, the Passion, they, they pull that scene, right? Where the Lord just looks at him and Peter goes off. And I, I feel like that's probably how it went down psychologically for Peter. Now think of this, that like a week or two later, you're seeing Christ again. And the last time you saw him was when you did that. So now they're out fishing, right? And Peter's acting all happy and everything and he's excited to saw the Lord, but I can only imagine that Peter is on some level happy, another level being like, oh, this is uncomfortable. Like, the last time we were together was not good, right? I'm, I'm the one who handed him over. And in Peter's mind, he, he, he's as bad as Judas. What does Christ do? He outreaches him. He says, Peter, let's go for a walk, right? Because he knows that this is troubling Peter. So he doesn't always wait for us to say it. This is how beautiful our dad is, right? Of saying, let's go for a walk. Simon Peter, son of Jonas, do you love me? And he uses the word agape, which is, is a deep love that includes that, the, are you willing even to die for me? And Peter is wrecked. Peter's response is, Lord, I, I like you. Right? And it's not him being cute. It's that he can't bring himself to say it. And God says, I ask you again, do you love me? Like, Lord, I, I like you. And then Christ says, again, just taking where he's at, Simon Peter, do you like me? And he says, Lord, and he breaks down, you know I do. And his answer each time is, feed my sheep. He's saying, I still trust you. You are still my apostle. You are not fallen from grace because you messed up. That is not how I view you. You denied me three times, I profess you three times. Right? I don't do, I don't do justice the way you do. 
I look to restore you, right? And then he takes it further and says to him, and you want to know something? You love me and it's going to be proven because there's going to be a time when you're going to be bound and you're going to go where you don't want to go and you're going to be forced to do what you don't want to do. And he's speaking and it says it spoke to him about how he was going to die. I was saying, you are going to die for me because you really do love me. Not because I'm going to make you die for me. I'm saying, you do love me and your denial today is going to be completely different in the future. So I'll, I'll stop telling stories there. What I'm, the point of this, um, and I hope it wasn't a waste of time for you all, is to say, if you don't, when you're reading, especially, I hope that you are reading scripture, um, but get into it. Who is this? What's he saying? What does that mean? What were they thinking? What could that look like? Of course you're going to struggle with prayer because you're talking to a wall, right? Or you're talking to an it, but you're not talking to a who, right? And you won't know how to have any conversation because you don't know anything about the person you're talking to. So of course it's going to be a struggle, right? If you just met somebody yesterday, you might not know have anything to talk to them about. So you might, like we said, get to know them of being like, where'd you come from, blah, 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 blah. I'm saying, but use this at the very least as a way to start having a more intimate um, dialogue of saying, I'm learning more about my dad who, according to the narrative, created me, loved me, loved me, redeemed me, and resurrected me. To him be glory now and always to age, all ages. Amen. I'm going to try and, and, and mostly um, have questions related to the talk. That way, in the, Q and, in the Q&A, the official Q&A, we can do some of the general ones. So if I ignore uh, some of the questions that you guys have, it might be for, for that reason. Um, I think you said the Samaritan woman came to the well in midday because of her shame. What's the connection between the two? It's that nobody would go to the well at midday because it's burning hot. Um, so they would come in the evening, like any of you have been to the, to the Midwest, to the Mediterranean. Um, that's like siesta time. No one goes out in the heat. So her going out in that heat was because the whole city knew that she had been married five times, which is more than you're allowed to, and that she was living with some dude. So it was like, I'm going to go when nobody goes because I'm humiliated. That was the uh, connection. Um, what's God's view of justice? Um, briefly, read the book of Romans. Um, because justification, the keosini, which is the root of where justice comes from, for God, what that word means is to make right. And here, right has a meaning that is so broad because it's the same word as ortho. That's why we call, we use the word orthodox. Or why in math you say orthogonal. Ortho meaning straight. So, dikeosini, or justification, or the different words that we use are justice, is saying anything that bends off the line, justification is to make it match the line again. Um, so for God, it's how do I fix it? It's not, that's why God's justice is not about vengeance. It's about how do I make it right? And God is aware of 
all of the aspects that affect the right of every individual. Right? So it's, I might know that this guy murdered, but I know what led this guy to murder, and I know that this person should not have lost their life. Right? The only one who is able to see all of that truly and sincerely is him. Right? That's like our justice is so limited. Right? Because we're so limited in our knowledge, understanding, our awareness, no matter how well we think we are. Um, so God's view of justice is restoration. It's making right. Literally making right um, and fixing. Uh, if Christ came to save all, why does he tell the Samaritan woman salvation is of the Jews? Because he was answering the question of, she asked him a specific question. She said, your people say the right place of worship, the right temple is in Israel with the Jews. Our people say it's actually in this mountain, um, in our land, with this temple. Which one is right? So Christ responded saying, it will soon be neither, to your point, like to your question. And he's saying, however, my covenant was with the Jews. You guys did go wrong. Um, so he's not, this has nothing to do with coming to save all. He's answering a specific question of which one was right. And he's saying it was the Jews. They were right. Um, because... The, the Samaritans um, were crossbreeds, and I don't mean that in a, in a, in a bad way. The Samaritans are people who were left over from the exile, who didn't go off, who intermarried with the occupants, and then formed a hybrid religion um, with them. And then there was also a bunch of other historical stuff about when Judah and Israel were at war, right? Then it was like, we don't want people going to Judah to the temple, so we'll make our own temple. So God is taking a firm stance on, no, there is a right answer to that question. Right? It, it is this. It's like, however, what I'm doing is actually fixing that. Um, is that it's not going to be this temple or this temple. Uh, in the age of the New Testament, is it acceptable to ask God for assurance the way Gideon has? Yes, but I would put a caveat. I, I want to put a caveat and not. Not in the sense of, you can ask Dad whatever you want. This might be a dumb question or might be wrong. But you can ask Dad anything. Right? So you're, you're allowed to. Um, the reason why I'm saying no is in the sense of, please remember that Gideon was asked explicitly by God to do something. So if God has said, could you please do this, there's nothing wrong with you saying, can I be sure, Dad, that that's you? It's different, and the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm emphasizing that is because I think sometimes we pretend that something was God's will, right, and be like, this was God's will, and then say, God, give me a sign. I'm like, but God didn't tell you to do that. Why are you asking for a sign? Um, like it's actually illogical. Um, so that's what I'm saying is just be, that's what, like the whole point is saying, be aware that you're talking to someone and that you're not doing math. This is a relationship, right? So you're talking to a real person about a real issue. So if you want to say, hey dad, what do you think of this decision I want to make? Cool, that's a great thing to ask dad, right? Dad, you who know me so well, do you think this is a good idea, right? It's different from, I think dad wants me to do this. I'm saying, dad, are you asking me to do this? Is this what you want me to do? Because if so, then dad's like, yeah, and I'm gonna give you a special grace because I'm asking you to depart for a second from how you would have done things and instead do it my way. And because of it, I'm also gonna hook you up. Um,
Why does God's response to doubt differ so much from person to person in the Bible? Gideon, God wasn't upset. Simeon, God ordered the long life and vision of the Messiah. Zechariah left mute the day um, of son's birth. Um, your question actually is exactly my point. Like, I, like is that it's, the, it's that this is not a static thing. God's not an object. He's a real being. He's reacting to you and what you really mean and what you really think, right? That's why, for example, you left out St. Mary, <laughs> right? When Mary said, how could this be, right? There was no, like, how dare you, St. Mary, right? It was like, hail, highly favored one. When Zechariah was like, huh, it was like, you're not going to talk for six months. Um, and it's, who is Zechariah? What's the history? For example, let's say... I go way back with Abuna Kodos Tadros in the back, um, and something happens, and Abuna Kodos doubts my character. What will hurt more if he doubts my character or one of you that I met like yesterday? Obviously, the one who goes back with me, it hurts more being like, but you know me, right? Like, it's different. Like, these people don't know me, I get it. Like, like if they thought it could be true, I can't blame them, it's logical. But you know me, so why do you think that, right? So it's the same thing with, with, with God, if he's dealing with the individual relationship he has with those people, as well as the whole context of their role too, right? Of being like, if, like, for example, Miriam rebelling against Moses was not the same as a random Israelite in a tent rebelling against Moses, right? There's a difference here. So now there's a, there's a public aspect, there's a leadership aspect, there's more. So God is looking at the whole entire situation with absolutely everybody involved, and he cares about justice to all. And even if there's a consequence in, in, in that relationship, it's not broken, right? It's just saying, yeah, you, this, is, this was a, a mistake. Um, I'll do one more and end, because that will be an ex- It'll have been 50 minutes, not an hour, so nobody can yell at me. Um, when we come to better understand God through th- more theological or prophetic sections of the Bible, such as Paul's letters and Daniel's visions, I find these much more difficult um, than narratives. Uh, they, for most, they are more difficult than, than, than narratives. Some people, it's the opposite. Um, I think this is why I wanted to zoom in on the Bible. I could have done the same thing using lies of saints and other things too. Um, but I chose Bible on purpose because I feel like this, our generation, like we've stopped going anywhere near this book. Um, it's about learning how to read scripture um, because using a translation that you can understand matters. Like, like does, can I understand it and is it, and is it accurate? That matters too, right? Um, that's a starting point. Then saying, okay, if I don't understand these prophecies, what Bible study helps are available, right? To start understanding the context of those things, right? Like for me, when I started realizing, when I, I'd read the historical first, I'm like, okay, these prophets are plugging into this whole narrative of, oh, this is the section when they had kings, and then all these stories you're reading in kings where they're fighting in civil war, and, 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 but you've got these people being sent being like, you guys, stop it, Right? is that, that that's what a lot of prophecies are about. Or it was, oh no, Egypt is coming to war, and the Jews were like, we need to be strategic. Let's make nice with the Egyptians because we're worried about this other country. And so the prophets would be coming in saying, that's a bad idea. So what I mean is, when you start understanding what's being said, 
you'll be able to learn more about God. Because you might be like, wow, even though they're behaving like mongrels, forgive me, God is still concerned, right? Like he's still talking to them even when they're behaving monstrously, right? Um, same thing with the, the epistles of St. Paul are epic. Um, I mean, the, all the epistles are. Um, but again, if you can start learning the language, use exegesis, whether it's commentary, whether it's historical context books, whether it's cultural backgrounds. I personally love reading cultural background books because it makes it very alive to me of being like, oh, when this person said it, it probably actually meant this. Um, then suddenly those epistles will mean more. Um, the epistles are a little bit different because a lot of the epistles are responding to particular issues, um, which is still extremely helpful, but it's not always saying, um, not always, sometimes it is, here's what God is thinking here, as much as saying, here's how God views this. That still matters, right? Um, but I mean, is and some of them are just like the historical. So learn how, maybe focus, New Year's coming, like maybe devote, of saying, you know what, this coming year, let me redevote myself to Bible study. Right? Whether it's tools I can use on my own in the house, whether it's, you know what, I'm going to daily listen to on one of my drives or one of my walks. It doesn't have to be both ways. Like, um, an, uh, from some podcast from Anafa or something of, here's exegesis so that I can follow through with somebody. That was a free plug, up in a mic. Um, of, like, of there being something to, to follow. Do something to help you learn it. Because I think the first time I, he I heard somebody teach the Bible well, it was exciting. Right, or just being like, oh wow, this is way richer than I ever knew that it could be. Then I was like, okay, I don't know how to do that. So find the ways to learn how to do that and it'll uh, become more alive for you, hopefully.